0: Luke chapter 10 speaks about a great model as to how to go forward, and it's kind of hidden in there. But the first thing you go in is just be a blessing. Luke 10, the four-pronged approach, bless. And once you bless people, it warms their heart. up. I mean, whatever the need is. It could be a simple need of, you know, like, hey, I'm I'm running late, you know, and I need to catch my bus. Well, let me take you to your bus stop. I mean, something simple, something that you don't have to be a Christian to do. You don't have to be a Christian to be nice to somebody to bless them, to smile, okay, to, to carry the presence and the goodness of God. And then once you bless them, you start to fellowship with them. You build relationship. And then after you fellowship with them, then you find out that there's actually some felt needs in place. And in those felt needs, you start to minister to them. And once you minister to them, then you can start to proclaim the hope of the glory of God inside of you. You start to declare the gospel, whatever it looks like. You know, I think it takes pressure up. I remember being, you know, in, in church settings years ago and and say, oh, you've got a witness. You've got to be a strong witness. And so the first thing I thought I'd do is better tell them about Jesus. And In the end, I felt so insecure because now they know I'm a Christian and they think I'm weird and I'm rejected. And it's like, you know, the Bible actually teaches do it the other way. Follow the Luke 10 model of, you know, first you bless, then you fellowship, then you minister, then you proclaim, then you declare. Then you make clear what, you know, what it is that the Lord has called me to do. And so, you know, I, I want to say to you that I believe that marketplace, I, I believe there's really two call, two kinds of ministers. What does a minister do? A minister, ministers. So we're all called to minister to the Lord. Agree? We all get to love him. It's the first commandment. And then the second commandment is like, I think we get to minister to one another and minister to the people around us. And so we're all ministers. As a matter of fact, there'll be people that will never darken the door of a quote unquote local church, at least not for quite a few years, unless there's great transformation in their hearts. And the only people that will be able to touch them won't be Adam and Amy who give themselves mostly to the work of the local church, but it'll be you. You're the one that has access to them. You're the one that has the ability to minister to these people. And so I believe the two kinds of ministers are largely pulpit ministers or worship leader ministers and marketplace ministers and the vast majority of you will be marketplace ministers wherever you are in the marketplace you get to carry the place of excellence like daniel who had an excellent spirit and you get to minister to others and so again when i was in the bank which was 1988 to 1995 i was a banker and during those years i wish i realized that god was calling me to be a pastor of the bank i just didn't clue in you know, I was just being nice to them, and they'd come my way, but I didn't really talk because I was so intimidated by everything that I was hearing. But there's, there is that reality. Now, let's look at Jesus, you know, because we look at the scriptural background, the scriptural models. You know, Jesus was actually born in a place of business. He was born in the sheepfolds where the, where the shepherds were, in the, in, in, the, in the, you know, by and in, the stables by an in. His first visitors were not religious leaders, but they were employees, and they were small business owners that came to him. It seems that the father wanted Jesus to really be in touch with the heart of the city or the marketplace from early in his life. And as he grew older, he first became identified as being a craftsman, being a carpenter. Which by the way, a carpenter in those days didn't just deal with wood, they dealt mostly with stone or with metal. And so just so you're aware, you you talk about carpenters, not just wood, I just returned from my 10th trip to Israel. I feel very blessed to have been there. and. Um, a good friend I call him a good friend now but he's my guide and my teacher my mentor like a spiritual father and his family was the first messianic family in the land of Israel since 1948 so Patricia and I typically alternate going year by year but he's now you know he's, he's almost finished this sec, you know what he's doing this this um, particular chapter of what he's doing and so he's not promising us too many more trips but um, that's an aside so but Jesus became identified as being a a carpenter, a craftsman, for about 20 years. You know, maybe more than that, that he would walk with his dad. He was known so much as being a businessman that they probably would have had a hard time believing that he could be a rabbi or a teacher because he was targeted in. He was a man of, He was a man in the marketplace. He was a businessman. And even his neighbors and his family from Nazareth had difficulty believing and accepting that this local businessman could be somebody that had an understanding of spiritual matters. You know what i'm saying and so my point in all this is to say that where you're posted you can be deeply spiritual but you're in this realm that you can make great influence where you are now let's look at some of jesus parables he was very familiar with the marketplace and its operations examples of some of his parables included construction winemaking treasure hunting ranch management and labor, family-owned businesses, hostile takeovers, return on investment. Jesus had parables about futures, crop yields, management criteria, the need for observation and research, the misuse of money and bankruptcy, the advantage of leveraging and venture capital in high-risk situations. And I got that from Ed Silvoso's book, Anointed for Business. Okay, I'm gonna get a tea here. So, and so my, my point is, you're anointed for business you you guys carry this place where where Jesus used these examples because of the fact that that's where he lived that's where he conducted his his business many of Jesus uh, many of his miracles happened out in the marketplace where he was and they took the place of business wonders for example this young boy brought Five loaves and two fish. And Jesus multiplied his investment. You know, his his ROI increased. His return on investment was dramatically increased. How many would like to have that anointing? Like, let me tell you, I I have this, this faith level that the best is always yet to come in the kingdom of God. And I believe that if Jesus demonstrated this miracle where he took something and he multiplied it, That he was establishing us for us and revealing for us what was meant to be the new norm. And when he said greater things than these you shall do because I'm going to the Father, I believe that as the church of Jesus, as sons and daughters that are anointed for business to be in the marketplace, it needs to be something that our faith level has reached to say we should be able to multiply existing resources and cause them to actually meet the need. I asked the question earlier, how many of you have problems to solve in your workplace? And there was a show of hands or a bit of response to that. But what if God has called you to to realize that you've got a new normal? There's a new normal. I I believe it. I believe we're coming close to a massive harvest and a massive ingathering. I heard Dan Slate say to us just the other day, referring to something that he studied when he studied Bob Jones' prophetic words, that there is a word that there's going to be Three seasons of two decades. You know, there's the 80s, 1980 to 1999, 2000 to 2019, and then 2020 to 2039. And in this season, it's like an Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You know, the things, first of all, are going to be established, then it's like the Isaac, which we're just coming to the end of, but then the Jacob generation is the generation of great multiplication or great harvest. And I believe we're coming to a season, we're right around the corner, where there's a great harvest ready to come in. And you and I have to have a mindset that declares that we are sons, we are daughters, we are authorized, and we are anointed, and that we can lay hands on something and we can see multiplication take place. I don't, I cannot buy and believe that this miracle of loaves and fishes was just something that was to be set apart and established once in history. I'm convinced that we must enter this layer or this level of the supernatural, these things where it's heaven on earth. It's, it's let it be on earth as it is in heaven. It's the Lord's Prayer that we call it down. And as sons and daughters, we realize that it's not because we're some incredible, you know, great great people. Now, you are great people. But like I said, you, you get this place of humility because we realize that we've had issues. You know, I had to realize that there is a shame stronghold I had to deal with. And, and the Lord knows how to keep you humble. But it's not because of you know how great you are, it's because of how great he is inside of you and together the partnership of the Holy Spirit with each of you, I believe that the supernatural or the miracles are meant to be the new norm. And that it's in the marketplace because when souls are gonna be saved, and they're gonna be saved, are we ready to disciple them? Because I don't think the local churches we know it in most places are ready to disciple this huge catch of fish. There was twice that we see that, you know, Jesus, I mean, again, this marketplace anointing, telling the fishermen to throw your net on the other side. And the first time, They had to call for their fellow fishermen friends to bring your boats because our boat is about to sink and let's get our boats and fill them and these boats that were ready to sink were drawn to shore and Peter had this great, great financial gain in that particular time as did the other fishermen. But the last time was in John chapter 21 where it's like, just drag them to shore. Get this massive catch of 153 fish and drag them to shore because you know it's just, and i think it's a picture of the harvest i believe there's going to be so many souls brought in that we're not going to be able to disciple them because we're truly not prepared and there's not enough of us but we need every single believer in the marketplace understanding who they are that they are authorized and they are anointed to start to drag them to shore get the people into the kingdom get them through the door so that when jesus comes back they're saved even though by fire sometimes. And so there's this divide that I believe needs to be crossed where we start to agree with the Holy Spirit on who we are and on who he says we are so that we can start to operate in business signs and wonders on a regular basis, where we start to see the multiplication. I mean, we're seeing it more and more and more that food is being multiplied when we give to the poor. But I'm I'm convinced that our businesses, I mean, God is... God is not a God that delights in seeing poverty or brokenness coming, but he will allow some nasty things to take place so that people's hearts can be exposed so that they'll turn to him. And I'm convinced it's his mercy that triumphs over judgment. You know, God's highest form of judgment, by the way, is mercy. And so the world, you know, some, like I, I, I'm reading in the scripture, I read both in the New Covenant as well as in the Old Covenant, and it's like God in his forbearance He he, he passed over the sins that were previously committed so that at the right time, the father gave his son to pay the price so that those things, those sins that we in our arrogance and ignorance thought that there was no God because he's bypassed them is just waiting until an appointed time. And I believe God's waiting to the appointed time. He's a God of righteousness and he's a God of justice. But he will wait until the right time to pour out his spirit so that justice and righteousness still will happen, but he will, he will bring people to a point of salvation. And they will go through a point, I believe, of great challenge and maybe misery, but they have to be saved. And you and I are not the harvest if we're saved today, we're the workers in the harvest. And it's crucial that we know, because when a harvest time comes, it's all hands on deck. Everybody's there, every farmer, any farmers here or KW? Okay, when the, when the harvest time comes, do you go on holidays? I don't think so. Right, we're there because when the harvest comes, it's everybody on board, and there's a harvest coming, and when the harvest comes, we're all there, ready to work, and when the great catch of fish came in in John 21, and as well as in Luke 5, these people are brought in, you know, it's like dread, whatever it takes, just get them, get them to shore, and so we need to see that. Jesus also... You know, turned water into wine because he showed sympathy for the people that were doing that you know i mean it was more than that but for the the, the people that ran out of wine it, it was it started with a business that was about to have great shame brought to it because they ran out of wine for a wedding feast unheard of and yet jesus when it wasn't even his time yet was called forward by his mother to Say, just do what he says and jesus created the miracle I believe it's a new standard of what's meant to be the new normal and it might not start with some real holy approach other than there's a need here and when there's a need and you're here and God is filling you with this Holy Spirit because he said it's better for you that I go away he said that to his disciples why did he say that because he would send his Holy Spirit and his Holy Spirit would fill his people would fill the disciples When the Holy Spirit fills us, then if that's better than having Jesus around, then we need to be able to operate in the same way that Jesus operated. Only doing what the Father is saying, but releasing the glory of God into a situation. Do you agree? And I know there's a, there's a faith step, I need as much faith to step into this as you do. I love it, even when tax time came, Jesus gave Peter a great tip on how to cover not only Jesus taxes, but Peter's also. You know and what a great what a great tip you know the word of knowledge that led to these great catches of fishes fish i think we need it and so jesus was a businessman for over 20 years before he you know he recruited men from the marketplace primarily really to come and to 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 help him to recruit him so that they could bring the kingdom of god to sinners everywhere And so there's a relationship between labor and worship did you know that in the Old Testament, the Hebrew word is the word avodah, and that word means work or labor, but it also means worship. And so what happens if you can start to go to your workplace tomorrow morning, and maybe some of you are self-employed, Well, what happens when you go to work tomorrow and you say, it's not a, oh, it's the Monday morning blues, yeah, but I'm anointed for worship. This is my worship. As I go about my labor, as I go about doing the work that God has called me to do, this is an act of worship to you. And I'm going to do it with, with a heart attitude of gratitude. And I'm going to do it with a spirit of excellence because I've got a higher call. You know, I, I, can't, I can't allow myself to have my standards lower to that of the typical employee that doesn't yet know Jesus, that doesn't yet have a paradigm for the excellence of the kingdom of God. But rather, I'm going to go into my workplace, realizing that I'm anointed by God to see the supernatural come in and create, bring solutions to the problems that are there. And if you don't know them yet, well, you've got this line, you've got this line of prayer and access to the Father and say, Father, I don't know what the solution to this problem is, but you do. And you put me here and I'm anointed for business, would you show me? How do I I see this company that I'm in be blessed because I'm here? I mean, even Potiphar knew that the reason he was blessed was because Joseph was in his house. How many of your, you know, those of you that work in a company or a corporation, how many of them understand that they're blessed because you're there? I hope it's not the other way around. (laughs) It's like, oh, those we don't remember any Christians. All they ever do. Remember, like, yeah, you're anointed. I had to, I argued, I said this already, but I argued with God for really three years, from 1995 to 98, during the height of the outpouring of the Spirit in Toronto. And I'm, I think I was having a pity party and nobody came. I was saying, God, I shouldn't be here. Like, I feel like. And and I'm supposed to host a meeting and I'm like, God, please show up. I don't want this renewal to end because of me. (laughs) People would say to me, Hey brother, you're hosting night, that's great. What's God gonna do? (laughs) And I was more pitiful than anything else. But I had to deal with my stuff. You know, I had to start to, I I had to walk through this journey where I realized that God positioned me in this renewal as unworthy as I felt because he wanted me to be a blessing. And he was going to anoint me to do what I needed to do. And that was no less or no more spiritual than when you walk into the factory or into the the insurance company or whatever you do, the financial industry that you work in. Because at the end of the day, it's like, are you faithful and little? God is gonna measure you based on your level of faithfulness and what he's given you. And then you're, you're, you know, it's a bit of eschatology here, but I believe that we're in, this, this is our job preparation. God is, is we're, we're in our job interviews for our, our, our position in the millennial age, I believe. I believe there's a thousand year reign still to come. And your level of faithfulness in this age, prior to the return of the Lord, will help establish whether you're going to rule and reign over cities in the age to come. According to Luke 19, look it up. I think that's much more literal than most of us have given it credit for. And so do what you do with all your heart. Whatever you do, do it as unto the Lord, because He loves you, and He's got great plans for you. And the Gospels were written not by spiritual men with dog collars, or, you know, the clergy and the cloth. They were written by business people. Luke was a physician. You know, John, you know, I mean, he, was, he, was a, he was a fisherman. He, he was in the food enterprise as a fisherman. And Mark, we realized that Mark's mother was Rhoda, as you look through the scripture, where, where Peter came, you know, after being put in jail, I and mean, he came and finally knocked on the door of this big house where they were all gathered. He was probably a very wealthy guy. If that was his mom. He probably had a level of riches, and and so you know. And then we got the tax collector. Matthew wrote another gospel. I mean, these are people in the business market, in the business field. You know, Adam, I'm glad you came from your fitness instructor. I was a banker. John Armit was a travel agent. You know, Lloyd's an arborist, right? You got that word right? You know, I mean, it's awesome. It's not unspiritual. You know, Paul, I want to close with this. Paul, in his missionary journeys, he, he always started by going into the synagogue. He always went into the synagogue. But in most cases, you know, there were some Jews that would say yes to Paul, but the quite often there was a, a number of Jewish people that resisted the words of Paul, resisted the gospel of Jesus Christ, and they gathered other... You know, other whiners or complainers or people who receive it with himself. And in the end, they, they forced Paul to exit the synagogue and quite often would create a riot so that Paul had to leave the city. And so what we see in the, in the life of Paul is that Paul started revival in a number of different cities, but the revival always fell short because they kicked him out. They kicked him out. But that changed in his life. It happened quite a bit, you can read the scriptures. And so Paul finally made a decision that I've got to start to focus on the Gentiles. He's saying the synagogue thing isn't working out too well for me, but he did it because he should have done it. It was right that he did it because Romans 1 16, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. The gospel is first to the Jew, then to us, and ultimately it's one new man. And so what happened is, is Paul found a couple named Aquila and Priscilla who were in the business field. And so here he was with this mandate as a Gentile You know, as a, a, he was a Jew, Roman citizen, but as a Jew, but called to preach the gospel. And he knew he was called to preach it to the Gentiles. And so he starts this relationship, he goes into Corinth, and he goes into this private house where he's able to teach daily rather than just on the Sabbath. And it says many people believed, and suddenly because he got out of just the synagogue... You know, not just, although he did it, it was important. The temple was an important part. The synagogue was important. He got into the marketplace, he set his base there so that he didn't just preach once a week, he could preach every single day to those that were there and revival breaks out in Corinth. And then he goes off to Ephesus and he starts up the school of Tyrannus so that it's not just once a week in the synagogue, it's every day And suddenly revival breaks out in all of Ephesus and it's the most incredible revival that we see in scripture right there in Ephesus but it's because he moved into the marketplace. Can I say to you what a lot of the prophetic people I know are saying right now? That you're gonna see an incredible wave of revival and some would say the next coming out of the marketplace. And, and you are the church. So it is a revival of the church, but you are the church and it's coming out of the marketplace because you're meeting you know, where, where sin abounds, grace abounds so much more. Again, there's generally more sin and more of the demonic realm in the marketplace than in the church, generally speaking. Definitely here Right? Right? And so that's where we ought to be in that sense. And so Paul told the quill and Priscilla, a partnership. You know, the the work of, of... that pastoral or preaching and teaching ministry together with those in the marketplace and became a tent maker, goes in there operates his tent making business, his school of Tyrannus, teaching daily about the kingdom of God and the scripture in Acts 19 verse 10 says that within two years, a dramatic power encounter caused everyone in Ephesus and the surrounding area to hear the word of the Lord. I wanna say to you, what's it gonna take for that to be said about Kitchener, Waterloo, Cambridge, World? That every single person hears the gospel because I believe that's in the heart of God. It has to be. Every single one has to hear the word of the Lord. And I believe you and I can hasten the coming of the day of the Lord, that great and glorious day. We can hasten it, not just by observing the great commandment, which is foundational and is non-negotiable, but because of the great command, the great commission, and beginning to operate with the strategy or the blueprint of heaven. And look it up, read Acts 19. And so the Holy Spirit was moving so much through Paul that even the demons would begin to acknowledge who Paul was. I believe that they wouldn't just acknowledge Paul. I believe demons today can acknowledge you if that makes you feel good about yourself. How many you want demons to say, I know you? you know, Wait a second, there's Brian. No, I'm not Brian. Brian, don't get away. I know who you are. No, get out. I mean, who knows? There's a lot of chaos in your workplace sometimes. How much of it is demonically inspired? It takes place. And so, we know that in Paul's case, the multitudes renounced in Ephesus their secret practices, and they, they, they burned their sorcery books. I mean, huge financial value through the sorcery books. And according to Acts 19.20... The word of the Lord grew and prevailed in that city that once was the major stronghold, and ultimately they so filled the whole area that they were, Paul was ready to go into Spain because the gospel was preached. I believe at least one key was because he shifted his focus to not just the synagogue, but also to the marketplace. Also to the marketplace. And so, you know, let's, let's have that joining together. And I, I would love just to have a time of ministry. You know right now to pray for those of you that feel that I mean, first of all you don't have to feel if you're in the marketplace if you're in the marketplace <laughs> you should know okay but I, I want to validate this call that you're that there's an anointing on your life and maybe you need to get to a place where you discover what that place of anointing is yeah. maybe maybe you've been so put down or you know devalued that you don't know where your anointing lies you know, where you're not sure, but I, I want to bless you today. I want to validate you. I'd love to get some of our team to just lay hands on you and, and validate you as a person and bless bless you, but also bless the gifting and the anointing on your life and pray for this impartation of boldness and also wisdom. And again, as a recap, read Luke 10 again. You know, read it again. Study. You know, be a Berean here, study the scriptures to see what if what I just said to you could possibly be true. Because I, I, I believe it's a, a dynamic shift that's taking place right now. Where God wants to move It's spirit breakout, break those walls down, not literally, we bless this building. But break the walls down so that it's, it's the church launched and released, the church mobilized. We are the church. We walk in this place of anointing, and the kingdom of heaven, you know, is longing to break out. But we're the change agents. You are the change agent. And and I believe that, you know, in this move of God's spirit where one of the great things that has been revealed to us is this message or this revelation of the Father heart of God. Incredible. Uh, It's the foundational message. It is the lens through which I want to read every other thing in scripture. Is the lens of the Father heart. But a corollary to that is sonship. You and I are the sons and daughters of God. We're his kids. He loves us. And as his kids, I believe there's another level of a spirit of sonship that's being released on us where number one is we've got to know it and hear. But number two, we've got to live out of the spirit of sonship. And I believe the Holy Spirit is releasing a dignity to his sons and daughters, that when we are mobilized and validated first, mobilized, released and launched, realizing that the anointing of the Holy Spirit is on us to bring transformation into our workplace. And it might start small. Don't despise the day of small beginnings. But in the same way that I wish I knew that I was meant and called by God to be the pastor of my... Royal Bank that I worked in and National Trust before that got bought out by the Scotia. You know, maybe you're the pastor in your workplace. They might not know they're your sheep, but you would know you're their pastor. And I believe God is releasing and raising up apostolic, prophetic, evangelistic, pastoral teachers in the marketplace. You have the calling inside of you. It could be that your your congregation it's just out there. I mean, Justin Bieber, who lives just down the road, who grew up in the church that we pastored in, Justin Bieber has a pulpit, you know, according to a recent song that he did, of about 98 million people right now. He's the preacher, and that's his congregation. And your congregation might not be 98 million, but maybe it's 98, or maybe it's 9.8. Or even 0.98, which, increases to one so you start with one that's heidi baker's motto stop for the one it all matters faithful and little faithful and much i believe we're we're preparing for the age to come we're preparing to rule and reign with christ when he returns to the planet to redeem and restore the earth so that it'll be on earth as it is in heaven and so I want to pray for that faithfulness to come on you. Why don't you stand, please? I want to pray for faithfulness, and I'm going to just invite those of you that want to just receive that impartation, the validation, the anointing of the Spirit, the boldness, the authority to come on you to come. Father, first, I bless these sons and daughters that are faithful, faithful to your word, faithful to your heart, faithful. I bless you. To be faithful to the call of God, faithful to that spirit of sonship, faithful to being a daughter in his house, faithful to love him as the first commandment, but as the second commandment, to love your neighbor as yourself, and your neighbor or your oikos as those people that you can't help but see at least several times a week because you're right there in the workplace with them. the Lord bless you, and keep you, and make his face to shine upon you. May he lift up the light of his countenance upon you, be gracious to you, and give you his shalom, his peace. And I wanna say that for those of you, I'm gonna turn it over to Adam here, but for anybody that wants to receive prayer, just for that impartation of, of validation, of authority, of anointing to come, to go into the marketplace, that today, is the day of a segue. It's a day of shift. It's a day to say, Lord, I'm believing that when I set foot in my workplace tomorrow, that like Joshua, wherever I lay the soles of my feet, you're going to give me that ground for the sake of the kingdom. You're going to change my heart. Change me so that they can be changed. I am I am the change agent. I am the agent to bring transformation. If you can transform me personally, you can transform my workplace. You could transform my community in Jesus' name. So, if you like prayer for that, come on up. Where are you up.